lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. All right, we're so excited today to introduce our guest. Yeah, Rachel, we're so excited for you guys to hear her um, story. It's really awesome. But before we hop into telling you a little bit more about her interview with us, we were going to have our little chat about what we're (laughs) up to. Right. (laughs) So do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I um, started taking piano lessons again. So I took piano lessons growing up and I feel like I got to the point where I could sort of play, but not very well. And then I stopped for years and then my senior year of high school, I went back and that one year I learned so much more than I ever did because I actually cared. Oh, cool. Yeah. I feel like then I get busy and have, well, I went to college and then got married and then had kids and then um, I actually had a piano for a while and would just kind of randomly play. And then I didn't have a piano, but now I have a piano. And so yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take piano lessons, but it is much harder than I thought it was going to be to find time to practice. Oh, I bet. Yeah. How long have you been taking them? Like mm, a month or so? It's, I think I've had three lessons or oh, four, cool. so about a month. Yeah. I would love to do that. Actually. I love the yeah. piano. I know. If you have the time, right. It's so like relaxing mm-hmm. and it is. Oh, um, I yeah. love that. So okay. yeah, so it's been really fun, but I'm trying to figure out how to like fit it in. But I was yeah. like, I don't know. Cause it's like one of the things that comes last, You're like, Oh, I have to do the laundry. Oh, I better take kids that hair. I better go grocery shopping. I better pay bills. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I never got to my piano. Like, yes. like every day it's like a last minute. Yeah. Thing. Although I already practiced today. Cause I'm just like, all right, I have to do this. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> Cause I do enjoy it. It's just putting in the time. Yeah. So. Well, what's cool about that. I love that you're pursuing like something that you love. I mean, for you, but also it's cool for your kids to see, like you can continue pursuing right. things that you love Even and learning later. things yeah. later in life too. Like yeah. when they're, you know, parents or whatever. So it's know, a good example. My dad, when I was in high school, started doing guitar lessons and oh. I just thought that was so cool. And I'm almost in my back of my head. I'm like, Oh, you can do that stuff later if I don't get as good as I want at this, or I can take other lessons and stuff. So yeah, and I love listening to him play now. So yeah, I awesome. love that. That's so fun. Nice. Well, I just have been thinking about I know a lot of our listeners live in Utah, but it is so pretty. The oh, colors right now. It's yeah. amazing. And last night my cousin got married up at solitude. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was that's so awesome. fun. So we drove up and it was just Corey and I, cause kids weren't invited, which was kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> a night so alone, yeah. yeah, we were drove up and I was just like amazed with the leaves. I mean, the know, colors so are so bright and so pretty. So I'm just loving fall this year. And then I also, a little side note, I went to Trader Joe's like last week or so, and they have a ton of fun fall stuff this right, year. I need like, to go. We have one close yes. to us now. So yes, we have one close. And also going, I was like, why don't I go here like once a week? I know. I, I love, love it. Stuff. It's like a fun shopping experience. I mean, I'm not a big shop, like gro- I don't like to go to the grocery store. I do online pickup, but I'm like Trader Joe's. You yeah. walk in and you leave feeling like, oh, this is so wonderful. Yeah, I like love it. It's healthy. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like it's, it's not like very fresh. expensive. You don't no, feel like you're going it's not. crazy buying And they have fun, like seasonal stuff. Mm-hmm. So lots of pumpkin stuff. It was funny. Like, so I listened to the ba- bad broadcast, oh, yeah, you know, like with her. Maddie Murphy mm-hmm. and she has an episode. It's like called like autumn, oh, autumn, Dr. Maddie or something like that. But she has a whole segment about Trader Joe's autumn stuff. Oh, that's funny. So I had notes of like what, <laughs> what to, to get. Buy, yeah. So listen to that if you want like a rundown and it's funny. She's, she's she funny really about funny. it. Yeah. I like her. But, but um, yeah, fall is yeah. by far my favorite year. We went on a hike Saturday morning and I was like, mm-hmm. I need to be in the mountains every day till the fall is over. I know. As long as it's, it's so nice fast. outside. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's gorgeous this year. Yeah. I don't know if it's the water that we got. I know. I like, heard something about that when we got the water and having late spring water made the leaves like 
so bright and pretty. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. It must so have beautiful. been. Yeah. So yeah. I feel lucky. Awesome. That's when I'm like, oh, I love Utah so much. And I know this time of year makes you, I know. And then winter comes and we're like, get us no. out of here. Yeah. I wish, I wish <laughs> fall lasted like five months or something. I know. I, I know. know. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, so hopefully all of you are enjoying fall wherever you are. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So Rachel Garrett, um, she is awesome. Like, yeah. I just oh. was so impressed with her. You'll see. But she talks about a nonprofit she started called Common Thread for foster kids. She's super smart, well-spoken. She talks a lot about like she did a psychology degree um, on teens and adolescents in trauma. So she's like very informed about the subject. She's been a foster parent. It's very interesting to hear like what that experience is like. I feel like I learned a whole lot. Definitely. That yeah. I just didn't know. And then I just loved it. She she also gives perspective for parents. Like with teens, we had that kind of conversation with her. That was, was a bit of the conversation. Right. So there's just a lot of like, I think, interesting, unique uh, topics that we cover in this interview yeah. that we haven't talked about before. I know. I, I thought, and one that we cover a lot, I feel like that came up was connection, the connection mm-hmm. she felt with these kids and the connection they felt with her. And then the reason why she did the nonprofit was to provide a space so these kids could connect with others yes, that were in right. the same situation. So yeah, I think you guys will really love this interview. Okay, welcome to the podcast today. Um, today we have Rachel Garrett with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Um, I'm going to give a, just a quick background of Rachel and we'll get into her story. So Rachel Garrett is a former high school teacher, a licensed foster parent, and a certified, did you just say C-A-S-A? Yeah, CASA. Or is like CASA, uh-huh. okay. Um, and remind me what that stands for, I looked it up. A court-appointed special advocate. Okay, mm. yes. Uh, Rachel has a master's degree in psychology Um, child and adolescent development, emphasizing how trauma impacts brains and behaviors. Rachel is founder and executive director of Common Thread, a nonprofit dedicated to building community and strengthening teens who are experiencing significant adversity in their lives. So Mm -hmm. that's just a quick, quick background. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything else you'd like to share with us in the audience to help us get to know you a little better? Um, Yeah, I think that covered some of the logistics. It's always interesting to hear your bio, uh, said back to you. So yeah, those are some major yeah. top touching points, but I think we'll kind of dive more into a little bit more of the stories um, behind those yeah. things. So yeah. And you're um, in Utah. Yes. Right? Yes. So I um, live currently in Bluffdale, Utah. I um, was born in California and moved 12 times growing up. I have all sisters yeah. and mm. came to Utah right before high school and have stayed here ever since. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. So we're just in Riverton. So we're yeah. super close yeah. to you. I didn't know we're you neighbors. were that close. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. All right. Well, I feel like you're actually someone that's been on our radar. Like I even last season, we're like, oh, we'd love to talk to her. Mm-hmm. She's so awesome. And we just always have loved what you share and kind of what you're doing out in the community and with teens and everything. So I think we're both really excited to get to chat with you today. Well, thanks so thanks for so much. Me. Thank you for being on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we could start um, your schooling or did you go become a teacher first? And is that what led you to do what you do now? You know, maybe start with that. Yeah. So I um, taught high school in Alpine School District for a few years. I I really enjoyed it. I love working with teens. And then uh, my husband and I moved. And so I um, stopped teaching at that point. uh, And we had our first son. I really missed the cognitive stimulation that came with teaching and working. And so um, I just naturally signed up to be a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate. 
it's a volunteer position that you work with youth that have been impacted by the system and you're essentially like their advocate within the legal court system. And so you are assigned a case and or a, a child or a group of kids, sibling group, and um, you get to know them and then you're kind of like their touch point throughout their entire experience through the system. And um, yeah, so I, I did that with a teen girl and that really opened my eyes. I think not only teaching high school, I saw a lot of things, a lot of realities that young people are navigating, but this experience as a CASA uh, with some of these teens who are experiencing like capital T trauma, it opened my idea or my thoughts to fostering um, because I just thought we can do more. And there's a lot of particularly just, I mean, in any foster care system, teens, there's a high uh, number of teens within the system and most people are keen to taking in young children. So there's a lot of a lot of youth that are in shelters and or residential centers that don't have a placement or a home. So yeah, I guess we can, I, I'm just like naturally diving into some mm. of these topics. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, that opened my eyes. To yeah, I didn't even know. Okay, yeah, I didn't even know that about a casa like that that was a thing, and I think that's amazing. Like that, there's yeah. people so that volunteer more, their time for they that. They don't live with you. It's more that you're like a mentor, and you can correct. Help them. Yes, yeah. So it can help them through like the legalities and stuff of of what they're dealing with. Yeah. So you're um, asked to um, so you're asked to spend time with them, and honestly, I think it's such a beautiful concept because it's a volunteer position you get people who are really dedicated and want to work and spend time and get to know and connect with the youth. And um, you're kind of their only consistent adult generally through the system because it's pretty tumultuous and there's a lot of turnover, different caseworkers, different placements. And so being that constant steady and you get to just experience fun things with them and get to know them and, and see like what's in their best interests. And so you're this, your sole purpose is to advocate whatever's in the best interest of the child. So I think that's such a beautiful concept and there's no other role that's yeah, like that's it. Awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, my husband has a, a friend that does that. He lives in New Mexico Very oh. cool. and he does that. And then he, and then the same thing he like led into foster care more. So. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And then in order to be a foster parent, there's like, it's not just a volunteer position, right? You have to do classes and get, you know, background yeah. and check or something. Like what's the process that, for that? There's a whole process just with classes. And then you have a home study where they come in and evaluate your home and background checks and those type of things. So it's a process uh, as it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's so cool that you did that because you're, you're like a young mom with young kids and then you take on that role, which is a huge responsibility. And I'm just so impressed that, you know, you you wanted to do that I mean that's a lot like just thinking out really outside of yourself and about the community at that age I'm just super impressed with that so yeah so maybe you could tell us a little bit more about um I know there's probably like confidentiality and stuff but maybe just a little bit of what that experience was like yeah yeah so we're still currently a licensed foster parent and so okay we um primarily take in teenagers originally when I brought this idea up to my husband he was like, I don't know about this. I mean, just with a little <laughs> exposure. And like you mentioned, we have two young kids at home that are seven and five. And um, it's, a, it's a serious commitment. And you want to make sure you're going in with the right intentions and with the knowledge. Uh, as a side note, I went 
around these, the same time I went to back to grad school and uh, mm-hmm. received a master's in psychology with child and adolescent development with an emphasis on trauma. And um, I didn't really even really realize how much this would impact and benefit me as a foster parent because I did this before uh, fostering, but I s- just developed a deep passion and understanding for the research on trauma and how it impacts brains and behaviors and and the impacts of consistent adults and stability and a few other just different elements that I was able to bring into the foster, uh, I guess our foster community and foster world. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we primarily, so once my husband is really entrepreneurial and so he, this is so silly to say out loud, but, um, he was like, okay, well, I want to know more information about this. Like just, and this is kind of our philosophy of just anything We just present all the information and then we can make a decision based off of that. And so he said, create a shark tank presentation uh, about fostering. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, done. Awesome. like if there's a, if there's like a little <laughs> bit of a window, let's do it. So, and I, the, it's awesome. funny, I still have it. And sometimes people ask me for that just to learn for themselves about um, what this yeah, all entails. Yeah, that's a really good way anyway. of presenting it. Yeah, I like that. But that's cool. yeah, yeah, so we uh, got licensed during COVID. And by nature of just the pandemic, most things were virtual. So the training was virtual and we we're able to do it together um, at home. And so we just, yeah, the next thing we're like, we'll just do the training and kind of evaluate. And it just kind of led next steps until we became fully licensed and we found, and we're kind of an anomaly in this, but we found our sweet spot to be with older youth to be teens. And I know we've received quite a bit of pushback by nature of just having young kids at home and a lot of the stigma stereotypes uh, surrounding just this entire world. Um, so, mm-hmm. but I just felt, we just, I don't know, we just knew that we, this is what we wanted to do. And so we've had a number of teens in our home over the last few years. And the beautiful thing is they're still really very much a part of our lives. We've been a part of two different reunification processes, which means that um, the teens were able to reunify back home with their biological families. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we still see and talk with them regularly. It's It's been the most life-changing experience and um, in a really a heartbreaking way. I think it's just all the feelings. It's like life on steroids. It's really intense, but being able to um, get to be a few extra people that love these kids is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Be life-changing. I'm sure for them as, yeah, as well as you and your family. So is reunification always kind of the ultimate goal? Yes. Yeah. For them? Yeah. So every case, the um, reunification is the primary focus and then there'll be like reevaluations throughout the process, depending on what's happening with the family and with the current situations and what's in the best interest of and safety for the child. So, but we primarily sign up for reunification cases as well and want to be part of that process. Um, and so we have, it really has transformed our family dynamic and we have just such an unconventional family now in mm-hmm. the, like we'll go out in public and we'll just have like this group of teens and then these young kids and we just, and there's the there's such a large gap between their ages, but there's such a sweet special bond. It's unlike anything I can really describe, but it's yeah, it's confusing to look at us as a group and family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really, really amazing, honestly. So 
Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. And a cool experience for your younger kids, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just a whole different perspective that they're getting. And, and just to be aware that there's kids and teens out there like this that, you know, I just I think getting outside perspective is so important. And it's hard to do when you're a mom or not a mom, but when you're raising kids, like you're kind of in your own little world. So I'm just thinking about, yeah, what a unique perspective your kids are going to have growing up and really cool. I feel like they're learning to turn outward at a really young age. Yeah, yeah. no, I, and I appreciate the focus because most of the times people are really uh, focused on how is this harming them or hurting them. And I think it's good to, it's mm. valid. It's really important to be right. really mindful of making sure we're evaluating and touching base with everyone involved because they're as much a part of this as anyone else. And so like prioritizing um, their experience through this all, but I don't know if, it just has been a really surreal experience as I found so many more pros in, I mean, talking about different languages and life experiences and um, different food types and culture. I mean, just, it's been really uh, beautiful to see the lessons that a lot of these teens have taught them in ways that I could never have taught or exemplified. And uh, to see the, I think the connection also from the team to have two young people who just idolize them and love them unconditionally is pretty special. So yeah, going both ways, I can see that being such a cool relationship. And And I can see like what you're saying, like if people being more scared of what might happen, right? but I think that's like you said, like a stigma where you're like, Oh, these kids don't have a family and have a home. So they must want to do something bad or they're going to hurt my family or steal from us or whatever. And I feel like it kind of goes back to like at the beginning when we were talking about starting this podcast, we talked about a quote, that quote from Fred Rogers Mm -hmm. that we bring up a lot that like once you've heard someone's story, there's no way you can't like love them. So if you don't take the time to see someone's background or see their story, see where they're coming from, you know, it's easy to judge. But if you actually listen, then it's easy to, you know, to love them and to accept them. And I don't know, that's just such a huge difference to have that kind of mentality instead of the like fear, like something's yeah, bad or wrong going to happen. And you're right. There's probably is, there's some things you have to make sure you're doing to protect your family because you never know. But I just think that coming from a place of like, okay, let's get to know you. Let's, you know, like welcome you in our family and if they can feel that connection. It can change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's pretty, uh, honestly, it's probably one of the most sacred experiences to witness the power of authentic connection and, um, that unconditional love to see that transformation occur and for it's been healing for me as uh, an individual navigating my own traumas and experiences growing up and um we during this i guess right before this time we uh made the decision to leave the organized religion that we were raised both my husband and i were raised in and so by nature of making those decisions we have lost a lot of community we lost we were very isolated in many ways and I'm going to get emotional a little bit, but I like these kids have like saved me in ways that I just can't even articulate because they like were able to see me for who I am and love me for who I am. And to reciprocate that back, I think it has been just a really transformative experience. And yeah, I just, all these teens are family to us. And so I just am really deeply grateful for that connecting point and to feel yes is that transformative power of connection 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You think (sighs) that, you know, all the stuff you're doing for them, but then to hear what they've done for you, that's. Yeah. Yeah. When I can see that, um, it's interesting because you, you know, you mentioned stepping away from the religion and then you have COVID and I think there's extra isolation with that, but it is, you, you know, when people step away from something like that, because so much of the religion is the community. And so, um, and also like you serve that community, you know, I was thinking about, I mean, assuming, you know, you've probably been in those positions, you know, where you serve the community and that's a big rewarding part. I think of being part of an organized religion, isn't just the belief system, but it's the serving the community. So it's just really cool that you found a way to replace that. And, and you're giving back in like such a meaningful, impactful way that, I mean, is so like you're affecting real lives of these kids that really need you, you know? And I'm like, what better person to do this than you? You have a, this degree, like you understand trauma and that's where probably I would guess most, if not all of these kids are coming from, you know, trauma, yeah, traumatic backgrounds. Um, and then bringing your kids back into it. I'm like, you have all this knowledge. And so I feel like I'm sure like it feels hard to balance sometimes, but again, what better proof? Like you just seem like the greatest example of to other people that like may be interested in this of what you can share. And anyway, I'm just super impressed with everything you're doing. So, so kind of you. Yeah. It's all been really unexpected. I think, um, going into this, it was just finding this desire, this need to, um, want to be there as a support. I just have been blown away by how many young people have very little if no support. And so coming into this with that, uh, that intention, and then just to see like the beautiful fruits that come from it and also the connections with the bio families. And, um, it's just been pretty, I always say, I wish I would have connected with all these people in different circumstances on different ways. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't know what I would do in my life without the relationships with these relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I know my husband and I talk a lot about how important it is for kids to have other adults in their life that care about them rather than their parents, you know? Mm. So whether it is a teacher, a coach or something that it can really change a kid's life, because sometimes you go through hard times with your kids, maybe they're teenagers or whatever. It's something that maybe another adult could relate to them. And so, yeah, I, I do miss that about when you're in a church community and you're automatically just assigned to help teenagers or kids or whatever, you, you kind of feel like, okay, I'm making a difference. I can be that other person besides their family that can be there for them, accept them, love them, you know, for who they are and type of thing. So we've tried to find ways to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. outside of that. So that's such a great, I mean, obviously a perfect place to do it is what you're doing. I mean, even just being a teacher, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you had some opportunities to do those kind of things for kids as well. And probably what led you kind of in this, it's kind of cool to see the path that it took. Yeah. Yeah. Like the building blocks that kind of just like the next Mm -hmm. step and open up different pathways or perspectives and yeah I feel like if anything it's been really beautiful to heal my own inner child too in a way because now like diving into the years diving into the research of child and adolescent development and then deconstructing a lot of different beliefs that I was raised on um is like being able to transition and then start to parent um, in ways that I never personally experienced or knew has been really beautiful to see like that healing process of if I, even though I didn't get it, like if I can give it to someone else, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the whole idea of connection, I feel like that's the, I don't know, like, like I have so many books or podcasts I listen to about how important that is and that 
to have a joyful life or a happy life, it is your relationships and your connections. And so if kids don't automatically have that with their family or even their friends, like you're providing a space for them to kind of start that journey of having connections and um, relationships because that is what can bring joy and can and bring some, you know, and feel the unconditional love or being accepted just like who you are. And you were saying you felt it the other way, that they were accepting you because you may, you know, felt rejected, I'm sure, by certain maybe family and friends at the time and then to have them reciprocate that connection is, is just really yeah. cool and I was looking on your Instagram <laughs> and I, I love a ton of your quotes were awesome your own quotes and quotes that you <laughs> um um quote posted but um a Dr. Perry which is a PhD said belonging and being loved are core to the human experience we are a social species we are meant to be in community emotionally socially and physically interconnected with others. And then you also another Dr. B.D. Perry. Is that the same person? Did I say Perry? Same person. But healing and recovery are impossible, even with Mm -hmm. the best medications and therapy in the world, without lasting caring connection to others. Mm -hmm. I just love that so much. Yeah. That's that's exactly what you're providing, you know, for. Yeah. For those kids. Yeah. I was curious. This is maybe going back just a little bit, but did you always know you wanted to go into psychology and get a master's or was that something that kind of came with time? Yeah, no, I, uh, that is a great question. I originally, so after kind of deconstructing um, some of maybe the narrative that I was raised on with what I should do with my life and who I should be, I went through this intense identity crisis, so to speak. And I remember talking to my therapist And she recommended, I was also navigating just a dark depression um, and just navigating um, healing my own mental health as well. And she recommended that I find something that, um, that I find joy in that has no other purpose but joy and my joy. And she's like, what are you interested in? What are your hobbies? And I'm like, I have none. Like all all the things I do (laughs) are either have a purpose in helping or supporting someone else or just the deep trenches of young motherhood, fostering, Mm -hmm. all the things. And so I was like, what is that? What, what do I, what am I interested in? What sparks my attention? Like keeps me, makes me feel alive. And so I just started to just dive into different books and podcasts and I just always was really connected with um, humans and the, and how the brain works and just, so it naturally led me to psychology and I love learning. And so I decided to do an online program, an online graduate school program, so I could still fulfill all my responsibilities as a young mom, but uh, I had this outlet and I just loved it. I mean, doing grad school while being a mom or just doing grad school in general is just intense and hard, but there's, I just started to feel like I was coming alive. And so I am like, there's something, there's something here. There's something with this information that I obviously am really drawn to. And so naturally, as you mentioned earlier, just like things just unfolded and it has led me to some really neat, unexpected places in my life. So, um, but because of that kind of that deconstruction, I'm like, well, what do I, what do I want with my life? And one of those things was to go back to school. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Yeah, I'm like, so she's in the process. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I love psychology and just learning. Um, where was I? Oh, I heard someone say it so well. It wasn't just learning, but it's like the discussion of ideas and, and thoughts too. I just love that. So anyway, I'm right with you on that. Yes. <laughs> and I love psychology. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, 
after graduating, like, did you have a specific career in mind or was it more, I'm going to gain this knowledge and these tools and then decide where it leads me? That's a great question. Cause I was even while I was in school, like looking up what job opportunities are out there with this specific degree, it's pretty specific. Um, mm-hmm. but I did, so short answer, no, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had lots of ideas of things that I wanted to do. And I knew that this could be one of the many different pathways that could lead me there. And I know I could have um, studied or done something different, but this is the one that I felt the best about. And it was to circle back my therapist was like, okay, well, we go from like not having a hobby, jumping straight into grad school. She's like, okay, are you sure that yeah. this is the yeah. best decision? And I'm like, it sounds- She's like, I was thinking like, <laughs> pick up a painting class. No, right. Like, right. <laughs> Some hour commitment That's a week, exactly not it. like 20 hours And a then week you're turning 30. around using your I know, new I hobby know. to help people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to then probably add more time and, you know, things to I know. I guess I did do gardening. That was my soft, soft hobby. But oh, it cool. was, yeah. yeah, like you mentioned, I should have maybe like, I laugh, I should have leaned into that one longer. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> right after grad school, um, I started to... Again, things just kind of unexpectedly happen. I had a few different people like reach out to offer different job positions and I didn't feel good about locking myself at that moment into a full-time job. So I continued to just explore, but while all this was happening, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, we see a lot of these teens that we love and have had in our home for the last few years, just really regularly. We go to the skate park, we do all these different kinds of things. And I felt... um, I just was became really concerned with some different areas that as they reunified, there's just some hardships they're navigating. And once kids are reunified, there's very little support. Like everything is gone. The caseworkers are gone. Therapists are gone. Court system, everything's gone. I mean, by nature, but there's just not as much stability and supporting afterwards because the families are navigating like high intensities of, their own trauma and crisis and aren't, and there's a lot of systemic failures and poverty that have directly exacerbated a lot of things that are happening. And so just every, every family needs like a support system. We talk about everyone needs a village, a community. Um, and so oftentimes a lot of the families that we've been connected with don't have that. And so anyway, I just felt really uh, worried and I wanted to continue to like make sure that the teens were doing okay and felt that connection and because oftentimes they are ostracized in their own school settings and feel some have felt that a lot of their experiences are too heavy for their peers or that there wasn't an, an understanding of what they were experiencing anyway so I decided to I'm like there's got to be different fun things in the community that um that I can just like get some of these teams that I'm connected with involved in. And so started reaching out to different people and like for like a pottery lesson or a class. Um, and some people were like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a discount. You can come in and, but you need to fill a class of 15. I'm like, okay, I can do that. So, cause I knew a few, but I'm like, we need, we need to have 15. So that's when I started to utilize my different social networks and a lot of other families Uh, came out of the woodworks and like we are navigating very similar things or a lot of kids who have parents that work full-time and in the summers are like completely on their own and anyway so a lot of kids and families came came on the woodworks and it just exploded which led to the creation of common thread 
which is a nonprofit organization. Which is perfect because I was, yeah. Yeah. yeah that I was, was like, I'm waiting for this to like come. And it's like the same. Yeah. It's just like everything's happening. Yeah. Like it just kind of, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it just exploded. And so then we had like this intense demand of like, okay, well, like our teens want to come or I want to come and me and my friend want to come. And um, so then we were starting to plan like two or three events, community events a month. And I was doing this again, not this was, there was no anticipation of having a nonprofit. It just was by nature of just the demand. And I, after a few months, I'm like, I can't physically do this by myself anymore. And so a lot of really amazing people just came out of the woodworks who felt really passionate, who had lived experience, who wished they had something like this when they were growing up. And it just has evolved to be what it is today. And uh, we've hosted over 55 or 60 community events. Everything is free. And we're talking like jazz tickets, pottery, uh, paddle boarding, big community events, providing uh, holiday gifts for like 300 teens and brunch. I mean, just lots of different fun things. So, and now building life skills programs and working with different other organizations in the community to provide more connecting points or resources. Anyway, it's just, it's been really wow. amazing, but that's what I've used my degree for <laughs> at this yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause you are like the founder of, of yeah. that basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And how long has it been around? So we just had our official year mark in May. So just over a year. That's awesome. So do you, how often are you doing activities with the kids? Is it like a set schedule or or is it kind of as you get these, you know, things come up availability? So we plan two to three a month. And then we also have a teen advisory board because I always want to, I always want to center the teens voices in all that we do and center their experiences, their perspectives, because I think that's why we have such a high retention rate is I wanted it to be a teen community for teens by teens. And so we have Mm. a teen board of 15 teens of between the ages of 12 to 19, all different uh, life experiences that kind of fit in this vulnerable demographic. Um, Many have been impacted by foster care. Others have parallel lived experiences, but haven't been impacted by the child welfare system. Uh, and so we meet once a month together with them as well. And it's really cool to see as they share their different ideas, we channel a lot of things that they come up with to what we do as an organization. We're slowly rolling out different programs. So yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, That's really neat. Yeah. And you have other, um, like professionals or adults that are helping you with all the organization of all this now because it's grown like you said it grew so fast I think that's so interesting that this was really needed Mm -hmm. and there doesn't really sound like there's anything like it like out there I mean from what you because I'm I'm assuming since you had so much interest so quick so yeah that's really neat yeah so there's about 15 to, to 18 adults who again have various professional experiences lived experiences who right now most everyone's volunteer based Actually, it's like an entirely grassroots effort, which is kind of amazing. And we're now we're just working on building the infrastructure so we can create a sustainable future. So, right, yeah, that's so great. And do you are you finding it sounds like that people people like does the jazz donate those tickets or does a person donate those or you know how are you like how do people 
help or how can people yeah. like people that are listening like oh I want to be able to help yeah, or I have a business or a yes something absolutely I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I mean we have different mm-hmm. people who have different skill sets um who will come and donate some of their time and or um and we always try and provide like we'll offer to provide materials or what or whatever we can to compensate but like the jazz tickets for example someone who knew about us had a connection and they're like i can get you tickets and so they were able to get 40 tickets to, for teens who oh, many had never been to awesome. a jazz game but love right. the nba and so it's it just special things like that or like the allison show has provided cookies tia v stokes one time did like a dance class for us i mean just different people who hmm. want to provide something that they offer um it, we are just always so appreciative so yeah, so they could just reach out to you like on the common thread. Yes, yeah, they can reach out to us on our Instagram or email or our website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I feel like once it's like I think so many people want to help and sometimes you just don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, everybody has their thing. Like some people want to help animals. Some people want to help, you know, you're like, Absolutely. okay, I want to help teens. And so someone listening might be like, oh, this is like passionate for me. Maybe they were a foster child or something and they want to be able to give back. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So reach out to Rachel. and Yeah. And we'll put like in the description of the podcast links to your accounts and stuff. So anyone listening, if you want just an easy way to be able to connect with Rachel through common threads, just go to our Instagram and we'll have that linked right there so or in the podcast notes as well like on the apps so yeah yeah because really you cool. know, I mean hopefully people listening I, I'm just listening and I'm like I want to get involved and yeah. that sounds so neat <laughs> and really neat. it's cool too because like well both Chantilla and I have teenagers so I feel like I don't know I mean not that you have to have teens to have compassion for them but I feel like um you realize they're just kids. You know what I mean? I think before I had teens, they just seem so old and you almost feel like, Oh, teens just have it figured out by then. But as a parent of a teen, you know, no, no, yeah. they're kids. They have need, have actually yeah. more needs in a lot of ways than, I mean, right, I shouldn't say more, it's different, different but like kinds, emotional yeah. needs, you know what I mean? The physical needs of young kids is a lot. And like, but the emotional needs of teens and, and so that you're providing a community for them where they can feel that connection, I think is just huge, amazing. And one of the things you said about like some of these teens feeling like their peers don't understand them. So to be able to be with a group of people that, you know, their stories aren't going to be the same, but they're going to have these Mm -hmm. common things that make it so that they can connect easier and maybe feel like they can be themselves more or be more vulnerable and open. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Like, it's so hard. I mean, so I've done some substitute teaching and I usually, I like to do it in the middle schools because they're like, they're still young enough that they don't intimidate me too much, but they're still like, they're, they kind of do their work and they're, I don't know, the younger kids are just a lot, you know, it's a lot to handle with the (laughs) day-to-day stuff. But anyway, I can just imagine like a kid who's been through that process coming and cause you kind of see the kids and they group off. I mean, I, it kind of breaks my heart sometimes being in there in those classrooms. Like, so I try to be, I mean, in my little way, I'm like one person in their day of the whole year, but you know, just talk to the ones that maybe don't seem like they have the group as much or, and you know, some of those kids, they might have a reason to feel that way. They may have be accepted by their peers, but they may feel inside look, Oh, I have this secret or I have this thing about myself that no one else will understand, you know? So being able to go to this and feel like, oh, all these people, they're going to understand where I'm coming from. I can tell my whole story without being judged or, or even if people aren't going to judge them, we all feel that way, you know, with the things yeah. in our lives that feel kind of unspeakable sometimes. So anyway, I, I feel like just that little perspective of the middle schools, yeah, I'm imagining those window. kids. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I, not to just like, 
you were saying, oh, I'm one person, but I can tell you right now, if someone, if there was a kid who didn't have a person, your small interaction would be life-changing, really. So like you mentioned, oh, just showing well, up in whatever ways you can and where you can is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I really think that, yeah, that one person could make a difference. I have a son that has special needs and he... Um, just loved high school. He loved it so much. and But he didn't really have friends. He was pretty shy. A girl came up to him like his first day of school and said, can I eat lunch with you? And um, was his like friend the rest of the time, like the rest of the year and made his school year. I mean, just the one person. And then she'd have her friends come and eat with him. So then he had these other people that would always say hi to him in the hall or make him feel important. And mm. um, I still, I just love this girl. And I tell her she's literally like an angel because mm. she changed his whole just perspective on friends or people or interactions because he was just so shy and he just didn't really know how to do that. But for her to like that difference. So it's like, yeah, I think one person can really change someone's life for sure. And someone that's willing to, or that wants to like consistently be a friend to someone that maybe doesn't have one. Like I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he graduated in 2020 and she's still, and she was a couple years older than him, but she'll still reach out and like Aww. come to anything that he has or he'll, you know, she'll send him a text to see how he's doing or he, she's taking him to like, oh, can we, can I come and take you to lunch? And oh, I mean, awesome. she's just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that really her, so. is. That's incredible. So, and he does have a family, you know, like family and I think support that way. But it's like sometimes you just need that something, like I was saying, like outside of your home that you feel mm-hmm. like someone cares that someone, you know, kind of like the, oh, they, they love me because they have to. They're my mom or they're yeah. my sister yeah. or whatever. But if it's someone, a stranger that puts themselves out there to be your friend and be there to help you, that's so important. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. And that's why we're always looking to for a variety of diverse individuals with different experiences because when you can feel seen or even just like see a a future that's different than what you have always seen and to see someone who kind of gets that it's it's pretty remarkable um yeah we there's just i'm just thinking of so many kids as you're talking about your son it was like such a beautiful sentiment because there is something powerful too about that peer connection and being able to feel seen and accepted and many are navigating they're not feeling acceptance for their sexuality or their lived experiences or even having a safe place that they've ever been able to, to be, to feel heard, um, is, yeah, there's just, it's such a deeply healing, powerful tool that I think is often overlooked in a lot of resources. And so that's kind of where our core foundational element is just that connection. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so cool. When we, I think Brene Brown like had this thing where she said like pick your two like core values and she had a list of like a hundred things or something and I'm like, okay, I know mine's connection. My first one's connection. That's like so important. I think, you know, just for so many reasons, but yeah. So I love that. That's kind of like a theme. I feel like with your, obviously with your, and the whole, like the purpose really Mm -hmm. to connect people. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, all right. Well, maybe we should shift and talk a little bit about, you know, we like to give kind of like some actionable advice for listeners of which you already kind of did about, you know, if they wanted to get involved to help with common thread community, how they could reach out to you. Um, but as far as just like interacting with teens or different people in the community, do you have, you know, some ideas or things that might be helpful for listeners and for us? <laughs> yeah, there are a few different things I'm thinking one is and it goes along again with what we talked about but i think as adults and parents it's easy to to want to uh 
curate or like be really involved in what who our kids are and sometimes I think we overlook the beauty and awe of who they already are and accepting our kids for all that they bring to the table and um, not trying to change or alter some of those core elements because it's something that fits or aligns with who we are as, as adults. And I found when I approach uh, relationships and those connections with that non-judgment and that just that curiosity and that excitement to to identify all the things that make them such a beautiful person, I find that it's so, it's a quick connecting tool and allows teens to feel comfortable and safe and to build that trust. For me, I always strive to be an adult that will be safe. So a teen can talk to me about anything and everything uh, during the moments of all of the intensities rather than feeling like they would disappoint me to the point where they wouldn't involve me. And there's been so many different ex personal experiences and crises that if I wasn't involved, I don't know if some of the teens would be here. So I think being able to accept and love them who they are and showing like genuinely showing that will open up a really beautiful relationship. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I, yeah, we try to tell our kids that like no matter nothing you could do or anything you want to be or will never make us not love you. So don't ever feel like you can't be you or tell us who you are. Or tell us your thoughts. Right. They feel like there's a certain, I don't even know, like a, I don't even know what the word is, but like almost like a, I feel like a shell. Like they want them to be this certain person. And this is the mold. I guess a mold like that a we mold. want you to have. Yeah, like be. a set. Yeah. And they then they think differently or they think outside the box and they don't feel safe doing that. Then yeah. yeah, you said like all these times where they wouldn't feel comfortable talking to you, then maybe something bad would have happened. But if they feel like they can be accepted and loved no matter what they have done or who they think they are, I don't know. It's like yeah, yeah if they can just feel safe, then. Yeah. can change so yeah. much. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and it can probably be on like a smaller scale to like what their interests are or what their goals are to like a much larger scale, like you said, like their sexuality or, or things like that. So I think it's so cool. I was almost thinking as you were saying that, I'm like, in some ways, I think it's so cool that you're in the position that you're in because as parents, sometimes I think it's like, I almost feel like it, well, how am I trying, like saying this right? Like as a not being so emotionally, not even emotionally attached, but like, like your child thinking of your child as a projection of yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But as you, or, you know, a foster parent being just like a little bit more like, okay, I'm seeing this kid, how they really are. I don't know. And so it's almost like a goal. I think sometimes to be able to look at my kids, like as their teachers look at them. Cause I come home from parent like teacher conference yeah. being like, my kids are such good kids. I have to remember this, but sometimes we get caught up in the little you know, minutiae of like day-to-day -day life and what they're not doing and their laundry on the floor and all this, but <laughs> missing the bigger picture of what good kids they are mm -hmm. and all that they have to offer. It might not be that they're doing every little thing exactly how we envision they would, but they, they have their own purpose, you know? So the way you were saying that, I'm like, oh, I love that. And what a gift for those kids to have someone like you that can do that for them, you know, outside of their parents and they have their parents as well. But just that, like we've been saying this whole time, the extra person that can offer that. But I love, you know, you kind of made me think 
how we can apply this as parents, but we can also apply it. Yeah. As, as people, you know, in the community with teens as well. So I think that's, that's awesome advice. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I mean, it goes without saying like, obviously, cause I could see some people and be like, well, you still need a parent. Yes. Like still nurture and model all the healthy things, but some of those like core elements of who they are. And even as you both were talking, like just naturally as kids, you're going to, and adolescents, you're going to be exploring and getting curious and to know that it doesn't, it's not a detriment to their character and who they are. It's just like this Mm -hmm. learning opportunity of the natural consequences and what's happening with your different choices. And anyway, I think that modeling it, but also showing up no matter what is displayed. Yeah. 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 I also thought of like, I can't remember who I'm sure I've heard this from a lot of different parenting experts or just, you know, child psychologists and things, but like never try not to react with like shock or fear when your kids tell you something, you know what I mean? That you're like, yeah, I can't but believe you yeah, that. yeah, because then what are the chances they're going to tell you, you know, and also I was just thinking like, this is such a tumultuous time being a teenager. Like, I think also meeting their questions and like identity crises and things like that with just like neutrality, you know, or just support, like you're saying, just, just wherever, whatever you decide with also guidance, like you said, as like a parent guiding and, or a, you know, a foster parent or a teacher or whatever, but instead of like fear and rejection, cause mm-hmm. that I think is where the hurt comes well, in. They'll say or the tell you again and almost yeah. tell them, thank, yeah. Yeah, and the thank shame, you so yeah. much for telling me that. I'm sure that was hard for you to tell me, but I'm so glad you did yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, if you need to take a minute, like maybe walk away for a minute, get a drink and come <laughs> absolutely. back. You know I mean? Yeah. And I have, I will clearly admit, like, I think there's a lot of, every generation is experiencing differences in just the social nature and with access to technology it's transformed some of the things that kids are exposed to. So I, I mean, I have like literally after conversation gone to Google something to like educate myself more about something. Cause I didn't know what yeah. it was. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like full yeah. permission that no one knows everything. And we're all just trying our best to continue to learn, but yeah, showing up with that compassion and understanding and leaning in, I think is goes without saying, but I have found that that's been like really transformative in my parenting caretaking adult showing up yeah. situation so yeah and doesn't it feel good when you can respond with like I I just feel so much better when I can respond like calmly and in an accepting way I mean it's okay like we all make mistakes if if you have those moments but right just trying to like almost prep yourself in advance and I feel like having conversations like this where we kind of prepare ourselves mm-hmm. and and understand why it's important that we respond like you know, in understanding ways and with empathy. Uh, anyway, I just always am kind of like a little proud of myself when I have those good yes. parenting moments. Yeah. It feels good, you know, it does, like, yeah. okay, that went, that went, like, it could have been bad, win. but it went a little <laughs> bit better. Yeah. Right. There's always improvements to be made, but oh. Yeah. yeah. I keep thinking of the, um, when you're talking like about the Encircle House that they have oh, yeah. here in Utah and I know oh, they've yeah. expanded because I do feel like that is very similar to what you're doing. Like that is for the LGBT community. If they don't feel accepted, they don't feel loved. They want to be around peers that can understand them. And I actually remember thinking, I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like we should have this for everybody. I mean, obviously they're a marginalized group and I'm so glad they have it, but not everybody, but everybody that's going through something hard. And so I think mm. you're providing that too for, in a, in a yeah. different way for people going through a different type of, you know, life experience, but it's yeah. the same idea of feeling the community, feeling like a safe, a safe space and a space a place where they feel loved and yeah, that's, connected. So I, yeah, I that's just, cool, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming you weren't a foster kid, no, but yet 
but yet you wanted to do this. And I know the woman that started in Circle House, I don't think she has an LGBT child. She just oh, felt no. the need and the and could see the need, I guess, that that was needed around the community to help these kids have a safe space. So I just think it's awesome. Like you said, like a, just a few people, one person can make a huge mm-hmm. difference. So. Yeah. Yeah. And having those like healthy activities and, you know, where they're learning something, they're getting to do something fun that brings them joy. I just like, it's so good. It's bringing in community. It's bringing in supportive adults and like fun activities that are offered them for free. They probably wouldn't get those things without this. So yeah, just so many benefits that you're providing with that. Super cool. Yeah. And we had a really close friend that lives in our neighborhood that was Mm -hmm. a foster parent for a while. Yeah, Mm -hmm. She did um, a teen and um, some younger kids, she had but those, yeah, those two younger yeah, ones. But I just, it was, I just thought they were, yeah, such amazing people as well mm-hmm. because they were providing this kind of stability and and the same thing. I think the teenager actually went back to her family, and that was kind of the goal. But it was mm-hmm. kind of a space that she needed to be in yeah, for a while yeah. for the time, right? I would say some yeah. uh, like a piece of advice to circle back to the original question too that could be helpful is um, navigating. I think this would be helpful in any interaction relationship with people, um, particularly in the spaces that I've been in, but learning more about trauma-informed approaches and care. I actually also, mm-hmm. side note, work part-time for Trauma-Informed Utah, but and are, am able to like go to different organizations and businesses to educate on trauma and a trauma-informed approach. But I found that that has been so helpful for our organization um, to have those trauma-informed uh, fundamentals, those foundational elements, so that similar to what we're talking about, it kind of curates this environment where um, kids are able to show up who, however they are, wherever they are, and the equity that they're seeing for who they are and me- and met where they're at. And so we often like provide food because food insecurities is a really big um, reality. And so some of these other things, so I'm just thinking if, for those who are listening, if they volunteer or work in other spaces similar or other organizations looking into those trauma-informed principles will be so key and helpful to more effectively show up in these, in this way that we've talked about. So, yeah. Wow. That's cool. I want to learn more about that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I understand trauma, but I'm sure there's a whole other layer with being a trauma-informed, you know, person that's interacting that there, there's probably a lot to learn there. So that's really neat. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was another thing. You just have such a good way of, of writing. Yeah, so, you really do. I was going to read your own words really quick. Thank you. <laughs> from one of your posts. But um, it's just a good description of kind of um, foster care and stuff. It says unconventional thoughts about foster care. In an ideal world, foster care would not exist. No family would be living in poverty. Kids would be safely cared for. And we compound that with the reality that foster care just disproportionately impacts people enduring larger systemic harm, poverty, which you mentioned, poverty, immigration, refuge, racism, patriarchy. It is, a, it is critical to address these roots to see improvement. And a world is not ideal. Countless kids are in extreme life-threatening danger. There is a need for foster care, safe places for kids to go, while efforts for parental support reunification ensue. We became a foster family a few years ago. Ago, Recently, we put a temporary hold on receiving regular placement calls. We are consumed off record with so many teens. Post-reunification is easily one of the most uncharted, enormous layers of foster care for us. It's rarely talked about, if ever. Some teens re-enter homes with a new, beautiful trajectory, which is a huge feat. For others, uprooting generational trauma proves to be 
far deeper than the state's routine checkups and classes. Change is hard, and for a teen that has been abused most of their life, some of the parental relationships feel irreparable despite what the government says. At this point, everyone is gone. Caseworkers, resources, counselors, causes, therapists. Fostering has turned into driving over in the middle of the night to a home when things are escalating between teens and parents. Daily talks about self-harm, sex, drugs, rape, friends, being a safe adult to process with. Picking up kids from the hospital when there is a family car accident. Trying to re enroll a neglected teen back into school, taking teens to health appointments. It's filling the gaps for families who are oftentimes in survival mode. It's continuing to love and show up for these teens who have deep abandonment wounds without government involvement. We are still trying to figure out how to effectively sustainably do this. It's messy, heartbreaking, and one of the most raw, meaningful spaces I have ever been in. I just thought that was so beautifully written and, and just important. I mean, you've kind of touched on a lot of those things as we've been talking, but I thought that was a good summary of you know, the issues and the needs and how, you know, we can help. So, yeah. yeah. And so cool that you're following up with those teens and families and being there, you know, con- continuously like trying to be a part of their lives. I think that could just be a huge impact. So well, super commendable. You. Yeah. And thanks for reading that. I, that's, I feel like I can articulate myself better in writing and words. And so thanks for reading that. I, that's the core of what, how I show up in this space. So yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think you articulate well all around. Oh, so thank you. You've been awesome to talk with and, but really your writing's beautiful. Like anyone, if you want to follow her, also you post a lot of good things like we've been talking about, about, you know, being aware of trauma and just the things that are in, impacting teens today and, I feel like I've learned a lot from, from following your account and just what you're putting out into the world. So thanks for being such a, you know, a bright space on the internet. Yes. That means so much. Productive. Yeah. Productive person to follow. You know, (laughs) there's some not bad, but you know, aren't, but yours is like, feels like you're learning. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's uplifting. It's, it's good. So, well, um, yeah. Is there any other thoughts you'd like to share um, with the listeners just to kind of end on before we wrap up? No, I just am so appreciative of the space that you two have created and for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. And I've really enjoyed listening to your previous podcast to to learn more about a specific experience and to to see just what, what connects us all as humans. So thanks for the space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we like to end, as you've probably heard, um, by asking the question, how do you find beauty in life after going through the transitions that you've gone through? Ooh, that is such a good question. When I, every time I hear this, I think of something different. Um, yeah, (laughs) but for me, I would say it just underlies to this main theme that we've touched on, um, I, for the first time in my life, in my 30s, I'm discovering the power of the relationships I have in my life where I feel seen and heard. And I can't go, I can't believe I've gone this long in my life without that. And so I just find my relationships are deeper, my connections are stronger, and I've been able to show up more authentically, which has allowed me to see, see everything in entirety the good and the bad, but to hold on to the beauty for the hope. I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And 
you know, like we said earlier, we'll post links in the show notes so that people can get in contact with you. And yeah, just thank you so much for being with us and also for all the good you're doing in the world. Really. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. So you have the common thread is the Instagram. Yeah. Common thread underscore community. Okay. Mm. Perfect. All right. And then you have your Rachel. Yeah. Is it you have some good things? Rach Garrett or is it Rach? I'm trying to remember. Just Rach Garrett. Okay, Rach Garrett. That's right. Because whenever when we were like arranging to talk to you, I'm like Rach Garrett, and I'm like, wait, Rachel Garrett. <laughs> like I think of you as you know your thing comes your across. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, Only yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We the Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself. All my thoughts are mine again. And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel the truth in me I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Here's now, now it's time